0: The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Phantasmal Return of Raymond Walsh, Episode 1 June, 1922 Raymond Walsh had decided this was the last time he would ever look through this window. He would never stand here, fingers clasped behind his back, Never peer through the dust-besmirched glass. Never watch trickles of steam escape from rooftop pipes. Never spy on the building across the street. Never spot his tiny face reflected in a distant pane. Never gaze at the flow of traffic beneath him, the gradual march of cars through intersections, the clustered specks of people. This was it his last day, and nobody knew but him. A knock at the door joggled him from his daydream. Raymond turned, and there was Frank, leaning against the door jamb with an apple in his hand. "'Morning, Ray,' Frank said buoyantly. "'How's everything?' His usual greeting, "'How's everything?' An unspecific question addressing every aspect of Raymond's life at once." "'Fine, Frank. How are you?' "'Dandy,' said Frank. His teeth crunched through the apple's skin, and he spoke through a mouthful of masticated fruit. "'Saturday should be sunny. Ought to be a good day for the Lynx. Have any plans?' The usual invitation. Golf at the Edgewood Country Club. A friendly nine holes. Frank never remembered that Raymond wasn't a member. Didn't play golf. "'had never swung an iron in his life. "'Or maybe he did remember, "'and he was just asking to be nice, "'because that's what colleagues did. "'Sure, invite Raymond. "'He'll say no, of course, "'but at least you made an effort.' "'Maybe some other time,' said Raymond quietly. "'Suit yourself,' replied Frank. "'But let me know if you change your mind. "'The more the merrier.' "'A nice thing to say. "'Maybe it was sincere.' Maybe Frank could use another friend. Who knew? He was cordial enough, never competed or gossiped. There was nothing really wrong with Frank. Raymond had never bothered to get to know the man, not really. Did Raymond really know any of his co-workers? The salesman, the secretaries, the lift operator who always examined his nails? Had he ever asked the receptionist about her daughter? ever brought a box of pastries like Carl had so many times. This isolation, it was his own fault. Raymond had always treated work as work. He didn't know anyone here, beyond their names and neighborhoods. Work was an endless routine. Papers migrated across his desk until they were signed and filed, retyped and revised, approved and posted. Together, they pumped documents through the company's bloodstream. Raymond could recite his title, explain what he did, but it was meaningless to him. Just a job, just a bunch of people, just an office nestled among the towers of downtown Pittsburgh. Raymond saw these faces every day, traded the same pleasantries, and after six years he knew no more about them than strangers on the sidewalk. Say, Frank. "'Raymond blurted, "'Would you like a drink?' "'Frank stopped chewing. "'His apple was gnawed to the core. "'He looked over his shoulder, "'down the narrow corridor, "'and grinned. "'Well, I don't mind if I do.' "'Raymond threw open his desk drawer, "'where the bottle of Canadian Club lay waiting. "'A Christmas gift from someone. "'Who had given it? "'Oh, yes, Mason. "'But that was so long ago now.' Mason had long quit, joined some bigger firm a few blocks down. This bottle was Raymond's only reminder that Mason had existed, a gift that predated Prohibition, sealed and ready. Raymond cracked open the bottle and tossed the cap in the wastebasket. He set down his coffee mug, still clean from yesterday, and poured. Then he offered the mug to Frank. Well, what about you? Frank said doubtfully. Raymond examined the bottle, and then he knocked it back. Bubbles burst from his lips and shimmied through the liquid. He ripped the bottle away from his mouth and coughed. But the whiskey tasted good, like fire, like rage. Well, said Frank, raising his mug, I guess we're kicking back today, am I right? Frank sipped. His lip barely touched the rim of the mug. It was all wrong. Frank was being nice again. He didn't want to drink at all. Why was Frank even here? To prove his affability? To answer a fraternal call? Raymond stepped back, bottle sloshing in his grasp. He felt hot, dizzy. His face itched with burgeoning sweat. "'Say, pal,' said Frank, "'are you all right?' Yeah, spat Raymond. He drank again, then wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. Why? Well, Frank chuckled, but there was no humor in his voice. Well, you're hitting that pretty hard. I mean, it's it's not even 10 a.m. You don't know something I don't, do you? What a question. Now this was the real Frank. The businessman, the schmoozer, the sniveling yes-man. He didn't care what happened to Raymond. He only cared about his job. Yet, deep down, Raymond knew better. He knew there was nothing wrong with Frank. The man was fine. It wasn't the world that was broken, but Raymond's own mind. He could almost feel it. A swollen lobe, a broken synapse, some wrinkled patch of gray matter. All his melancholy trapped inside his skull. He would have paid anything to fix it, to drain himself of sadness. Everyone knew, Martha, his mother, Dr. Klein, everyone who mattered. It's all in your head, they'd say. There's nothing wrong. You're being irrational. Things are looking up, aren't they? Just be happy. But somehow, the dread washed over him. A tidal wave of colorless emotion. His stomach prickled with doubt. And now, in this moment, it was Frank who embodied the ills of the world. The smugness, the lies, the phony smiles, the platitudes, the empty invitations, the winnerless games. The city was crowded with Franks, thwacking tiny balls across empty land. What did their little lives mean in the end? What would be left of them but a mountain of papers, Had Raymond ever really lived his life? Why endure the decades to come, if this was all there was? Stuffy rooms, false friends, swigs of contraband to keep him going? Raymond planted the bottle on his desk. He backed away, watching Frank's expression change. He liked the uncertainty, the hints of fear. He liked the way Frank cradled his mug, "'tracing its ceramic rim with a finger. "'Because Frank still doubted that anything was wrong. "'He had no idea what would happen next. "'Only Raymond knew. "'He'd known for days. "'He'd known for years. "'Maybe he'd always known how this morning would end. "'Raymond whirled around. "'He yanked the window open. "'It screeched in its runners. "'Warm summer air gushed through, Documents stirred on his desk. They curled and slid off the edges. They littered the floor. Raymond heaved himself backward, through the window. He sat on the ledge. A warm breeze seeped through his suit. He was outside now. His fingers clutched the window frame. There was nothing beneath him, only eight stories of emptiness. Nothing to stop his descent. Nothing to save him. Ray, Frank said. His voice was muffled, distant. Ray, listen to me. Raymond leaned back. He straightened his legs. He let go. The window vanished. The walls slid away. He saw a flash of sky. He heard a scream. And then... Nothing. You've been listening to The Phantasmal Return of Raymond Walsh, Episode 1. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown are produced by Backpack Media, LLC, written and performed by Robert Eisenberg. Music by Eric Satie and Naoya Sakamata. For more information about the exciting world of uncanology, visit elizabethcrown.net.